Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for visiting us this week. We've got a really good show for you tonight. As you can see, our format may, hopefully, looks a little bit different. Um, but uh, how's everybody doing? Great. Good. 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 Hopefully, you guys are enjoying seeing us all on one screen. So, um, so let's get going tonight, and that let's start out with Jess and some some, some fun facts. Fun facts. Mental floss, amazing facts. So, I kind of fell behind, but I got a bunch for you. So, as you guys know, it's very very rare, but it is possible for fraternal twins to have two different fathers. What? Yes, I've heard this before. I did know that, yeah. It makes sense. A woman possibly could ovulate multiple times or have multiple partners during ovulation and or multiple uteruses. I know I know somebody who is a twin who had different uteruses. Yes. Yeah. So lots of possibilities for that. Um another quick one is Mall of America, we all know it. It has its own zip code. Did you guys know that? Oh, I did hear that. And I think when Brad went out there, he had said something about. Yeah. 55425. That's the zip code for Mall of America. Awesome. Oh, Mall of America. I thought the you said Mall America. No, yes, the Mall that. of America. Yep. Um, all, and then because it's that time of year, we're switching from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Did you know it is believed that Jingle Bells was originally written to be a Thanksgiving song? No. Don't know how that one happens, but that's amazing <laughs> facts. Mental floss, amazing facts. Okay. okay. I got I'm one last. In my mind right now to see if there's any Christmas references. Yeah, I don't know. I. There you go. Play let's, it on your let's own. Let's all sing it together. No. <laughs> no. I got another. So on my last one, it's a little bit longer. Those were like quick ones. In 2019, a man in Tucson, Arizona, discovered a woman was in unconscious in her car, and though he didn't know CPR, he recalled the scene from Stress Relief on the um, the episode of The Office, and it was the episode where the Dunder Mifflin employees um, are taught how to do CPR using the song "Staying Alive," um, because it's the correct tempo um, on what you need to do for chest compressions. And it worked, and he saved the woman's life. Oh, I've heard this story before, too, while yeah. I'm doing it to staying alive. Yeah. yeah. That is the also the episode where Dwight cuts, cuts the face off of the CPR dummy and puts it on his face. <laughs> I, Jess, I hate to tell you this, but this week you have not stumped me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here, you know what? I got a couple more. Here, how about okay. this? Bacon. Did you know bacon was used to make explosives during World War II? No. Like the meat itself or like the fat? It says the waste fat was turned into glycerin for the war effort. I feel like I did know that, actually. I did know that, too, so. Okay. All right. How about this? One more. One more for okay? We're getting down to the end of the year, so we're getting a bunch of them. 18th and 19th centuries cookbooks, authors suggested... Recipes for exotic ice cream flavors. Those included rye bread, artichoke, parmesan, and even truffle. So, hmm. not the chocolate, the fungus truffle. That is very expensive, very hard to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are some fun ice cream flavors that were around. Nice. All right. There you go. Oh, there are some mental floss amazing facts for you. A whole load of right. them. Yeah. Sounds good, Cass. Hopefully, first of all, hopefully you can um, upload the song on our new um, streaming service. But if not, uh, well, maybe I wasn't told we were doing a new service this week, so I don't have anything oh, audio prepared. I do have a song okay. um, that I will add to the video later. Um. But um, we will be talking about the song Fast Car. Um, yes. I love this song. You not ruin this one for me. 
it's a very obvious one. So this one, obviously, yeah. the this is Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. And it, it really is kind of, it's not a creepy song, but it's it's kind of a very uh, sad song to me. Um, right. Because it talks a lot about um, leaving their hometown. Like, she just doesn't want to be there. You know, she wants to get out of the town with her, I think, boyfriend, I think, is who she's talking about in the song. Mm-hmm. There's no real there's no real indication of if it's a boyfriend, a friend, um, whoever. Um, so it is kind of already very uh, mellow and sad. Um, but I think one line of lyrics often gets forgotten. Um, and that's the reason she can't leave the town. Um, and it's because her father is an alcoholic and she has to take care of him. Right. Um, the lines are, see, my old man's got a problem. He lives with the bottle. That's the way it is. His body's too old for working. His body's too young to look like this. Um, mama went off and left him. She wanted more, the li- more than life he could give. Um, so somebody's got to take care of him. So I quit school and that's what I did. Um, so the whole song up to this point is very like, she's going to get out. She's going to leave. Um, but this this lyrics clearly state that she's not going to she's not going to be able to leave because she has to take care of him wow. i think it's very sad yeah i i uh, maybe just because i've known her for a long time i haven't personally known her for a long time i knew her story <laughs> for a long time so i thought yeah. it was about you know her and her girlfriend you know we're going to leave this town where we, we can be ourselves and people you know Right. It very well could be. That's a very good point that it could be about her leaving, wanting to leave so she can openly be in a relationship with her girlfriend, Right. which makes this even sadder that, you know, I'm sure her girlfriend was waiting for her to leave and, you know, it comes down to this. Tracy Chapman is an amazing talent. She's amazing. She's one of my favorites. But that's a song for the week. All right. All right. I like that. You didn't ruin it for me because that's kind of what I already knew what it was about. Yeah, it's a, I, like I said, it's a very well-known part of the song. Right. Some songs are m- made to give hope. Some songs are just meant to tell a story. Yeah, and she was. I, that's what I I think I love about Tracy Chapman's songs is that they tell a story, whether it's a good one or not. She's telling her life story. She absolutely is. Like I've said a million times, you know she's live that story you know she, she right, knows what's right. thing and, and she is able to just kind of like suck you right into that song so right. you're living that so, right yeah. right yeah like janice right you, you we probably have to mention janice or patty smith on every episode maybe mm-hmm. okay but that reminds me did you go to any book signing? No, yes. I meant to tell you. So I, I kind of feel bad. I got what? you. I got you. I got you all excited. Oh, no. I got you all excited, but then I went to go buy the tickets, and it's not a book signing. It's just a concert, and you get the book at the concert. Like she's not gonna be at Powell's. That's even the thing. It's like it's not even at what? Powell's. Like it's at it's at a concert hall, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. like. It's I just a concert. It's not even a book signing. She's not going to read. She's just, it's just a concert. I'm like, oh, oh okay. Well, I'm sure she's so, going to be there signing books at the concert. No, that's what I like. So I called Powell's and I called the concert hall and I was like, is this because because it says that there's like a book that comes with the ticket and they're like, no, this is not a book signing. This is just a promotional oh, concert oh, for her book. Interesting. Oh, unfortunately. Oh, so unfortunately. Oh. Well, I'm glad I didn't I buy the because I was going to buy the ticket for you, so oh. you had to go. Like, there was no backing <laughs> out of it. I mean, I can go to her concert, but I'm just not going to be able to get a signed book well, for it. It's not going to be dedicated to you. It's not going to be dedicated to Ted. Yes, force your way backstage. You know, <laughs> listen, you know what? I'm sure she'll yes. definitely want to sign a book I'll after that. I'll bet you $100. That her daughter and her son will be there. Her daughter will probably be selling the swag, you know, the stuff. And if you went to her and told her, you know, your story, 
she probably would bring Patty out to do that. I don't think so. Because she's like that. She's like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wish it was a book signing. I was really excited about it, but I've checked multiple sources and it is not. What do you mean? No, it was like December 3rd or something. It's December. I thought it was the 30th. Mm-hmm. Dang it. That's again why I wanted to do the show tonight because I wanted to see if you were able to make it to this show or if you had <laughs> other duties going. I, if I'm here, then no. Dang. All right. Well, <laughs> that's a drag. I know, I'm sorry. I meant to talk to you about it. All right. All right. Jess, okay. you're up. Are we ready for a real story story for us? Mm -hmm. I think I have a pretty interesting, a unique story. It is a solved murder, but the way it was solved is very unique. So I think everybody will like it. This Ah. is the murder of um, Tercita Basa. I think that's how you say her name. She's from the Philippines or she was from the Philippines. She was born in 1928 or sorry, born in 1929 in the Philippines. She came to the United States in the 1960s to study music, but ultimately she ended up um, kind of changing her career path and became a respiratory therapist. Um, And she worked at Edgewater Hospital just outside of Chicago. So basically, you know, like Chicago, but out just a little bit outside of there. Um, that is actually the birthplace of John Wayne Gacy. Gacy? I can't talk today, apparently. Um, and Hillary Rodham Clinton was born there as well, too. So um, just a little fun fact on that. She was pursuing here in the United States, pursuing her master's degree in music at the University of Indiana and um, would give out piano lessons to neighborhood kids and was very generous and would help um, every, like all her neighbors and help her neighborhood um, people out and stuff and help with music lessons and stuff. But really she became a respiratory therapist and music kind of was her passion, but was a hobby more on that end as well. But she was studying to continue it um, with hopes to kind of continue and make a career out of music but unfortunately in february on february 21st 1977 after she returned home to her apartment from work she was murdered so on february 21st 1977 she returned home from work and she spoke with a friend um, around 7 30 but she told the friend hey i can't talk very long I have, I'm expecting somebody to come over. The friend had mentioned that she thought it was a male, but didn't really question it too much um, on that. Uh, and so she just, they ended their conversation. At 8.40, the neighbors in the apartment complex started reporting smelling smoke, but nobody really knew where it was coming from. And the fire de- Chicago Fire Department was called and um, they proceeded to evacuate the building, which is um, located on North Pine Grove Avenue. It's still there today, I believe. Um, But when the firefighters got there, they discovered where the smoke was coming from. It was coming from Teresita's apartment, um, 15B, and they broke in and were able to put out the fire really quickly. But that, um, what they thought was just a minor fire ended up turning out to be something worse. They discovered um, that just it wasn't just the fire on the floor underneath clothes and a mattress. uh, Teresita's body was discovered. She was completely naked and she had a kitchen knife um, stabbed through her chest and she was dead. Um, So investigators initially, because she was um, naked when uh, they found her, they initially thought that this was something where somebody broke in. They raped her. And then, you know, set the place on fire as a way to, you know, get rid of the evidence. Um, but when she was autopsied, or when her body was autopsied, it didn't show any signs of sexual assault. So they, the police were, the detectives were confused. They couldn't figure out what it was. Um, there 
was no real evidence on what a motive would have been. Um, and even though her, her apartment was set on fire, they could tell that there was a struggle and then it was wrecked. It looked like somebody had like ransacked it, but there was no clues that anything was actually missing. Um, and nothing that, um, caused them to like, think that there was anything. The only thing that they could think of was that it was a robbery that just kind of went wrong for her. She lived alone. So there was nobody else in her apartment, nobody else that could kind of say what was missing or what wasn't missing. Um, and so the only thing that they could really find that they really didn't even think was any clear evidence was a handwritten note by Teresita that said, get theater tickets for AS, the initials AS. Um, that was all that they really had to go off of. Um, they interviewed people that she worked with at the hospital. They interviewed her friends and family. Everybody said, you know, she was well-liked. She was very quiet and reserved, but everybody liked her. She um, never got married, but she dated, you know, here and there. But she was happy with where where she was in life. She was very dedicated to her job. People, the patients that she worked with all loved her. So the cops were just kind of dumbfounded. This person that is supposedly loved by everyone, very quiet, mm -hmm. keeps to herself. Why would she be murdered? Why would she, you know, why would this happen to her? So weeks went by, they didn't have any leads to go off of. Um, and then in July, um, the, it, the case ended up going cold after that um, because they just had nowhere else to go. They had nothing to work off of. Um, in July of 1977, so like five months later, um, they had an un unusual lead come in um, and they weren't sure if they should take it seriously. They weren't sure what it was really about, but it was the only thing that they had to go off of. Um, so Detective Joe Statula, I think, I don't know how to say his name. Um, he received a note when he went into work that the Evanston Police Department had called and wanted to discuss um, the Bassa murder case with him and that they had some information that they thought he might want because he was the lead detective on it. Um, and that was to contact a Dr. Jose Chua. Um, and so the detective and his partner, uh, Lee Eppelin, they met with Dr. Chua and asked, um, and he asked them, kind of after a little bit of small talk, asked them, hey, do you believe um, in a cult or supernatural forces? And so the, the detectives were kind of dumbfounded, you know, like they were like, you know, like, what are we supposed to do with this? You know, what is he really going to give us? Um, but they listened to Dr. Choa tell his story um, and he ended up providing some information that his wife, um, who also worked at the Edgewater Hospital um, with uh, Teresita, his wife, um, Remy Bios, she goes by Remy, um, they believed that she was being possessed by Teresita. And not in a bad way, they just, they had this feeling, there was things that were happening that led them to believe that Teresita was trying to speak through Remy to have her case be solved and to be discovered and or the, the suspect be discovered. So they kind of went through the, the doctor went through what had, had been happening. Remy had started having these dreams uh, with Teresita in them. And she just, she couldn't stop having dreams about her. She tried to just let it go, but it just kept getting, it kept happening. Um, but the final straw for them came when um, Remy was apparently asleep and started you know, like talking and speaking in a different type of voice than her normal voice to her husband. And, um, hold on. Is she there? Yeah, she's there. <laughs> okay. She... Hopefully we can edit this out. So she began um, talking to her husband in another voice and uh, using another voice. And it was like he had described it as like she was talking like she was in his trance. 
and like he knew she wasn't she was either like talking in her sleep or this was a, a full like possession type of situation um but because it was like a trans like state and when he pressed her on like what it was she came out and said my name is Teresita and she spoke in um her native language which he kind of knew because his wife was also from the Philippines. And so he was able to understand her saying what her name was. Um, and so she said, I'm, my name is Teresita Basa. I'm, and she was asking him to help her out and told her, go to the police, tell the police um, that Alan Shorey killed me. And um, he Alan was expected to come to her house, to her apartment. She had asked him to come over to fix her TV. And so she was expecting him to be there, but he ended up killing her instead of fixing her TV. Well, um, didn't, didn't she tell a friend that she had somebody expected to come over and why yeah, didn't, she didn't, come she didn't say what the name was? And, um, and well, it, it's kind of later on, but they ended up talking to the hospital staff later on and people said, oh yeah, yeah, he was supposed to go over and fix her TV. But it's, I don't think people put it together um, that he could possibly have been the murderer at that time. Well, did he work at the hospital too? Let me finish my story. But yes, he worked at the hospital too. So, um, so when Remy, the doctor's wife, Dr. Cho's wife woke up, from this trance-like state, she had no recollection, no memory, no knowledge of talking to her husband and having this conversation with him. And so she was kind of, you know, like, they were both kind of freaked out, but Dr. Choa decided, you know, like, let's just forget about it. It's a weird coincidence. We'll just let it go. Um, and they just kind of, that's what they decided until like a week later, the same thing happened. Uh, but this time, Teresita was angry and was yelling at Dr. Choa, um, asking, you know, why didn't you go to the police? I told you what you needed to do. Why didn't you go? And he basically responded with, you like, you didn't, how am I supposed to go to the police and say some ghost is coming through my wife and I have no proof and, you know, and I'm supposed to tell the police that a specific person has killed this lady that he didn't really know too well. Um, and so, Teresita basically said, okay, you, you want proof. Here's the proof. And she said, Alan Shawry stole some of her valuable, unique pieces of jewelry um, from the house. And she said, you know, like, it's going to be easily identified because her father had bought it for his mother, for, but her father bought it for her mother when he went to France. And so it was pieces from France that were very unique, it, you know, like they were something that weren't common to see. Um, and she said, Alan Shorey gave this jewelry to his girlfriend. She like said her, his girlfriend has it. And she even provided Dr. Choa with family members and friends, names and phone numbers who would be able to identify the jewelry and be able to prove that it was hers and um that it was stolen and be able to you know like identify that it came from the family kind of thing so even though this is a bizarre story the detectives they took it seriously mainly because this was their only lead so they're like let's see where it goes see where it leads us um and because alan shawry's initials matched the handwritten note that she had um that they found in her apartment which is as and it wasn't like public knowledge that they found this note and that those initials were out there. So that was kind of something that like it was a either a big coincidence or this is something that is um, this, <laughs> this is something that um, is really out there. So um, <laughs> you can't write stupid messages, Dad. It's distracting. Um, well, so, I can't see him for a thought. Okay. You know, I haven't even been paying attention to him, yeah. to be honest. So the, they did, you know, do the, did their investigation. They ended up finding out that not only did Alan work at the Edgewater Hospital with Teresita, 
Um, he didn't work with her. He worked in a different department, but worked at the same hospital. They ended up discovering that he lived nearby her. Um, it was just, you know, like a couple blocks down the road. And she had asked him to do other projects around the house. She lived alone. So she needed like, he was kind of like a handyman. So this was something that she often used him or, you know, had him do like little fixes and stuff. So they were friendly. I don't know if they were friends, but they were friendly enough that she knew who he was. Um, it wasn't a surprise. Like she had him fix the TV, but it wasn't a surprise. This wasn't the first time that he had been at the house. That's what I've read. Um, so, but when they started asking coworkers at the hospital, that's when people were like, oh yeah, yeah. They, there was talk that he was going to go over and help her fix her TV. And so the detectives, they really didn't have anything to go off of, but they were like, you know, they had that feeling of, okay, we're in the right direction. We're moving in that right direction. So they went to Alan um, Showery's house and he was there with his girlfriend um, and they, they said, Hey, you know, like we're investigating this murder and, you know, we were talking to people at the hospital. They mentioned your name, said you were going to go over and fix the TV. You know, like we have some questions. Can you come down to the police station? And he went willingly. He was willing to cooperate. He had no issues with going and acted like everything was like normal, no suspicions or anything. Um, and in the beginning he denied going to her house or to her apartment to fix the TV. But when the detective said, Hey, we talked to all these people, they all confirmed that that was what was happening. You were supposed to go to her house. Then he decided to change his story and um, which his story, basically he changed it to, yeah, he went over there, but then when he got there, he realized he didn't have the correct tools to fix the TV. And so he decided to leave and go back home because he had an electrical issue at his own house or his own apartment that needed to be fixed anyway. So he'd come back another day. And that's what he told the detectives. So the detectives, they took him back home, um, but they believed that they had the right guy. So they were just trying to like get more information. So they took him back home and they decided, Hey, we're just going to talk to the girlfriend. Um, the girlfriend's name is Yanka Kamalak. Um, by the way, I tried to find more information on her and on Alan Showery. Can't find anything beyond this story. So I don't know if they changed their names, what it is, but I wasn't able to really find anything. But um, so Yanka said, you know, when they she was talking to the police, she wasn't aware of any electrical issues at their apartment. She didn't know of any. And even if there were any electrical issues, Alan wouldn't know how to fix them. They would have called somebody else to come over and fix them anyways. And so his story started to kind of crumble. And then um, they asked her, you know, hey, have you received any jewelry from him recently? And she admitted that he had ended up giving her some belated Christmas gifts. Um, and she received them in February. And my thought process, just to kind of sidetrack on this, is this guy's an idiot, one, because you give a belated Christmas gift to your girlfriend in February. This murder happened on February 21st. Wouldn't you say it's a belated Valentine's Day gift? Right. right. So I don't know, but whatever. So belated Christmas gift that she got, she got it in February and she said, I'm wearing it now. And she pointed to this necklace that she was wearing and a ring that she was wearing. And so the detectives, they didn't know what the jewelry actually looked like. So they weren't sure if this was it, but it just felt right. They asked her, hey, would you be willing to come down to the police department? And we have, we're working on this case. We have these relatives that say this jewelry <coughs> stolen. You know, they would be able to identify it. And so the girlfriend's like, yeah, let's go. She was cooperating with them. And the, they called up to uh, Teresita's, the pe people that she provided to Dr. Choa, they called up those numbers. Those people came. When they came to the police station and looked at the jewelry, the first glance that they looked at it, they said, this is Teresita's jewelry. This is, it came from her parents. This is her jewelry. And they confirmed 100%. That's kind of where the end of the girlfriend's 
comes in this story. So I don't know. I'm sure she was like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm done um, kind of thing. But um, once they, the detectives confronted Alan Chory about, hey, we have confirmation. Teresita's family identified the jewelry that your girlfriend was wearing as Teresita's. He confessed to um, to murdering her and said that he did it because when he got there, he realized that there could be some value in some of the things that she had and he needed money because he was late on his rent. And so he decided that um, when he went to go fix her TV, that he would um, go there and then, you know, steal some stuff and everything. And um, he got there. He confirmed that she gave him some theater tickets um, or that Teresita gave Alan Chowry theater tickets as a thank you for fixing the TV. Um, so it was like a payment on here. You know, you fix my TV. I'm going to help you out. She gave him those tickets and let him into the apartment to fix the TV. And when she turned around to like close the door, he attacked her basically and then beat her up and then um, stabbed her and then took all of her clothes off and made it staged to look like she was sexually assaulted um, and then put clothes on top of her and lit them on fire and then put a mattress on, on top of her and lit it on fire. Um, and hoping to destroy any evidence that there was there. Um, the ironic part of all of this is he did this because he needed money to pay his rent. Uh, he didn't, he wasn't able to steal enough to pay the rent. He was only able to find $30 and then he stole the jewelry and gave it to his girlfriend. So he did all this for no reason, basically. Um, so he, um, what he pled or he confessed to the murder, but then pled not guilty before the trial. Um, and then his trial was held in January, uh, 20, uh, January 21st of 1979. Um, but because of the circumstances around how he was identified as a suspect, the jury couldn't decide if he was guilty or not. And it was a mistrial. And oh. so um they while he was awaiting for a retrial on this case he served most of his prison time um and then it, he ended up changing having a change of heart and changing his mind and pleading guilty there's some different stories on you know why he decided to do that some say that Teresita haunted him in prison while he was waiting so he decided to plead guilty Others believe that his attorney said, hey, look, the evidence is there. Like, if you plead guilty, you're going to get less of a sentence. And which to me seems more correct on that. So, but he pled guilty and received um, a reduced sentence for his crimes. He received 14 years for murder, four years for arson, and four years for robbery. Um, and he was released on parole um, in 1983. So oh, wow. he only served five years in prison. Oh my God. How can that be? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's, it's like, there's not a ton of information on this, but it was, I don't know if you guys remember it. Cause you guys were still kind of young at the time, but apparently it made like worldwide news because it was a cold case. And basically a lot of the headlines were like a ghost comes back and, and um, finds her own murderer you know, and kind of you know, those kind of things. So it was just because of the weird and uniqueness of how they found who murdered her. Um, Maybe that's but, how they came up with the movie Ghosts, because that was when that was made up by, the, you know, sometime a, around then. It was that's amazing. pretty interesting. But, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But some some people like are, you know, I when I first heard this, I kind of thought, OK, Remy worked with her you know, maybe she witnessed it or maybe she was kind of an accomplice of some sort, you know, of this, you know, and then she just had this guilt. And so she pretended to be possessed and stuff. But then once I kind of started digging into it, I'm like, it kind of makes sense. You know, I get it, you know, kind of none of them, the Remy and the, the killer, Alan Chowry, and then Teresita, the victim, they all worked at the same hospital but none of them worked together so it's like they knew of each other but they didn't really know each other super well and then um so it's like i don't know but 
um, part of the Philippine, um, Philippine, I don't what is, whatever you call them. Uh, I don't know. Um, part of their culture, though, is they they do believe that, uh, like the reincarnation, they believe right, right, you know, right. the, the ghosts coming back, and you know, and that's something too. I mean, I think that's something that, and um, especially in like the their South, culture, too, right, right. Yeah. So it's like I think that's something too that, especially like a lot of like the Mexican culture or the Hispanic. I don't know if it's just Mexican or not, but they you know with the halloween they i forget what they call it but they it's their day that they go and they spend time yeah, with their deceased spirits and, or their family members and stuff right. so like i think yes, it does make, yes yes so I mean, it makes and, sense and some you know so because remy it was also from the philippines that you know like and she knew of her, they, you know, and I'm sure that they kind of bonded in some ways of that and having that same culture and background. Um, that, that may be why she came through to Remy and, you know, but, you know, having the doctor, I did read some articles that were kind of quoting him that he's like, you know, I'm a doctor. Like, I don't really believe in this kind of stuff. I believe in science. And, you know, so he's like, you know, but this is what's happening. Like, how can I deny it when it's happening to me basically how about the police so. like when they first went to the police when the police just blown it off no, well that's what yeah so it looks like you know like they kind of they were in disbelief of like you know, like this can't be real but also it was the only lead that they had so like we might as well follow it let's just figure they probably out. Only had one detective there who right. was kind of in his culture to believe this and he probably spent weeks trying to convince the other ones. Yeah, well, and that's what, you know, it kind of sounded like they were like, okay, like, whatever. But we might as well go talk to this guy. His initials match the note. So it's worth talking to him. Um, that's kind of what I got out of it, is that they weren't fully convinced until they actually went and talked to to Alan right. Shelbury. So, so her apartment must not have gotten burnt so bad. No, that's the thing. It was there was a lot of smoke and they evacuated the building and stuff. So they were able to locate where it was coming from. And there was very little fire damage. There was a lot of like smoke damage, but there was a very little fire damage. And so they were like, oh, we saved the building. We, you know, like they were it was like a kind of like a celebration at first. And then, you know, pull up that mattress and realize, oh, no, this is much worse than what we thought. So. It's kind of like a story that's in the news today. I don't know if you guys seen that, but mm -mm, this 15-year-old girl got catfished. By oh, by the police officer. Yeah. Yeah, by a police officer, and he went and killed her family and burnt mm -hmm. their house down. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sh She's not dead. She's in the hospital, but I'm not sure what he did to her. But Yeah, I did. I haven't read that story 100%, but yeah, I did read that. So I didn't see that. How are those similar? Other than the house fire. The house fire. <laughs> I think those are not similar at all. But that's how, I mean, it sounded like I couldn't find any, like, there, there's no Wikipedia, as far as I could find, there was, like, no Wikipedia page that was easily to, like, get that background information from. Um, so I don't know if, like, her parents were dead at the time. But I did read in one story that she was the only child. So she didn't have any siblings. But I'm assuming that if she had jewelry that her dad had given to her mom, that most likely her parents were dead. She was 48 when she was murdered. So it kind of, I mean, I, I think she was really like, she was alone, like completely alone. Obviously she had family, but she didn't have her parents. She didn't have siblings. She wasn't married, you know, so you know, she was kind of completely alone, but um, it's it one thing too is because she was it, that I kind of found uh, again I think the guy is a little bit of an idiot like you could have just stabbed her left the apartment not set it on fire and then she wouldn't have been found for days weeks maybe because you know she I mean maybe people would have called her and I'm sure her work would have started like asking questions and stuff but they found her within a couple hours so because he set it on fire she ended the or she had the phone call with her friend at like 7 30 and then the the police or the fire department was called at like 8 40. so an hour after 
she started right. her call with a friend. So it was like they found her within, you know, I would say within two hours, maybe. You know, so too bad she wasn't still alive, but uh, right, just, you know, like where if he would have just stabbed her, left her under that mattress and left, you know, it would have been in maybe the next day at the earliest when she didn't show up to work, you know, right, so. right. And all because he just needed rent money and all he got was $30. <laughs> it's crazy. So. I think there's more to that story than, you know, he probably tried to. I don't, there was, maybe, maybe there's more that he didn't admit to or whatever, but it was on Unsolved Mysteries. The TV show was on that show in the original, when it was originally airing in the 90s. But it was one of the very few that was a show that was, um, or the the story was a solved murder or a solved situation or, you know, most of those were unsolved cases, cold cases. So says the title, but um, I don't know. I thought it was a unique story and it's one of those weird situations. It's a unique situation on like, do we really believe in the paranormal? Do we really believe in um, the afterlife, that kind of stuff where somebody can come and, you know, like, once the police found her killer, did she finally, you know, rest in peace, right? Rest in peace. Right. You know, so did the lady who she went through Remy, is that her name? Yeah. Remy. Was she like never had any more. Yeah. No, after that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, nothing after that. Yeah. So it seems that, you know, she was just trying to get help where she could to solve her own murder. Oh, wow. Yeah, it sounds like ghosts to me. Yeah. You can be sure. Girl, you're in danger, girl. Yeah. You're in danger, girl. If something like that happened to me, I'd be haunting that person for the rest of my life or for the rest of their yeah. life. Yeah, yeah me I too. Agree. Me too. But I tried to find out because like, he got released on parole in 1983, which is. And what prison did he go to? I didn't say. I'm assuming somewhere in Chicago, but um, I like. Oh, he's there's got to be some information on him. Uh, the only thing I could find is that after he was released from prison, he relocated to um, New York, and it said like back to New York. So I don't know if he was originally from New York or not, but I don't know. I couldn't find anything. The only like when I typed in his name in Google, all I found were was this story, like just multiple different. Um, websites with this story nothing about him actually um and like what happened after he was released from prison so right. i kind of it kind of makes me wonder he was 32 when this happened so he would have been he served five years in prison so he would have been still in his 30s late God. 30s when he was released so you it, it kind of makes me wonder if he changed his name because like how are you supposed to live like you were convicted of murder but um, wow yeah who would hire him i mean and, yeah. I guess well even if you change your name you still have to have your conviction record on the like on record right but yeah. also, too, I mean, this was back in, you know, like he was released in 1983 where we don't have social media. We or we didn't have social media back then, you know, just, so like just the connection to that you're hiring somebody. Are they really right. going to call that town and get that? Right. Exactly. Right. right. No so that's what I mean, moving from to Illinois to to New York was probably enough that what he right. needed. Right. And, Never even um, question. Right. Right. Huh. So, um, um, and the same with, you know, like his girlfriend. I'm, I don't know. I tried looking up her name too, and I couldn't find anything either. So I don't know something along, you know, with that. But if she was young enough, maybe she got married and changed her name, and that was, you know, changed her last name, and that's all that was needed for her. But right. Oh. But that is. 
Well, oh, interesting yeah. story. Yeah, it's a good story, but it's it's still a sad story, but it's a great that they were yeah. able to find the killer. I, I believe that. I believe that they can happen. I'm, I don't know why it can happen only certain times. Right. If she right. can do it, why can't every person that's been murdered? Exactly, right. Well, I think some of it, I mean, you watch all the TV shows and movies and stuff, and I can't remember. Um, it's a ghost TV show, and uh, I can't think of her the actress's name, but she was in Party of Five, and... Um, You're not talking about Scream, girl, are you? No, she wasn't in Scream. She was in Can't Hardly Wait. She was like 90s heartthrob. Jennifer Hewitt. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She had that show. Yeah, she had. I don't remember what it was called, but you know, like ghosts, I think, or something like that. No, she, it was medium, or no, not medium. No. I don't know. But she was. You know, it was a TV drama, and she, she was psychic. Yeah, she was a psychic medium, and it was a good show. Was, really, yeah, it was a good show. But ghost it was kind of the same. It was kind of the same situation where the ghost would come to her and say, "Hey, this is how I died," and she would get mm-hmm. in touch with the family and yeah. you know, and kind of provide that guidance. And then once they those ghosts, you know, told their story or what happened and their family had that, you know, knowledge, they were finally able to rest. They transferred over to the other side, you know. So I'm like, that's kind of what I feel like with this situation. But I thought it was a fun story, not a fun story, but we always talk about where are the psychics? Why can't they tell us what happened? And this is what happened in this case is that, you know, she came through through somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think it's a lot like what you said, Jess. I think the reason we don't see it as often mm-hmm. um, is probably just because her and Remy had that Filipino culture background and yeah. they had that, you know, connection of th- that culture is very connected to the other side, very connected to believing that there's like, you know, the soul is there if the body is gone, you know, kind of thing. Right. So right. I think that's why maybe even like Remy trusted her instincts on the possession kind of thing. Right. Right. I think though, too, like with the spirits and we don't, we, with some of the unsolved murders and those types of things with this, like the ghost or the spirit of the person, maybe they just, they're, it happened so quickly that they don't really fully understand what happened and they don't don't realize that they're even dead. Like think of right. sense. Bruce Willis didn't know he was dead until the end of the movie. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I, I haven't watched that one. You even if um, even if you did get murdered and it takes you a minute to figure out that you're dead, doesn't right. mean you remember how you got murdered. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's part of it too. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. It'd be nice if some psychics, but you know, like with, I think too, like the John Bonet Ramsey, like who did it, who, like what really actually happened, but because she was six, you know, I don't know if she was really intelligent for a six year old or what, you know, maybe she right. just didn't understand it and that's it. Right. You know? So right. she can't tell anybody what actually happened. But you well, she moved, probably moved on died, before. mother would be like, I'm going to make sure this gets solved. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Huh. I thought it was a a unique little story. I hadn't heard of it before and found it, and I thought it was a good one. Yeah, I kind of believe that. You know, I I I never understood how people could say, "Oh, that just couldn't happen." That's not true, right? Well, how do you know? Right. <laughs> like, That's a, believing me, it is just as it's it's. it's I, I mean, the for me though too is like the people that say that they don't believe in this kind of stuff are the ones that are like the ultimate christian people you know or religious people like well how can you believe in a god there's really i mean you have a bible but like that was written year like thousands of years ago how do you know that it's truthful maybe somebody just wrote it as a fictional story and was trying to sell it we don't know that right you know i mean i mean there's there's clear evidence but i mean that's something too like how do we know that there's a god we know there's evidence of you know Jesus living on earth, but or somebody called Jesus or you know right. There was a man who walked this earth. Somebody that is probably more called Jesus, not Jesus, and is 
not a white person. You know, let's be realistic about it. But well, I also don't yeah. think I don't think Jesus is the actual name. I think it was a translated name. So well, I'm sure a, it was a Hebrew name. That's, something, that's right, where I right, that's where right. I kind of question. So that's you know, all the all the apostles are not John, Paul, and Mark. <laughs> right, you know, right, and Matthew. <laughs> But all the memorizing we did. I know. <laughs> but that's something too. It's like you know, like again, going back, you know, like the Bible, and, there's stuff there, yeah. but it was translated to fit the white Caucasian needs. Narrative. You know, Christmas true. is not, not really when Jesus was born. It's not a terrible thing to put it in terms where you understand. No, I agree with that. You know, you know I mean? no, but that's a, you know, like yeah, it, it's okay to say. It was Paul. It doesn't really matter if his name was really Paul, right? No, but... You have to tell a story where people are going to understand. My whole thing on that, though, is that God has never existed on Earth. It was always Mm -hmm. this magnitude of a spirit. Mm -hmm. And he impregnated a young teenage virgin female. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we know he really existed? How can you say spirits aren't real? And the, you know, poltergeist can't, you know, like that doesn't exist, but you believe in a God that and basically raped a a young teenage girl. I believe in it at all. I do too. And there you go. I think that's a good way to put it, though. Like you can believe in everything a little bit. It just uh, for me, how you can you say something? And I really think that you can't believe in one without believing. Yeah, in the exactly. Other. Right. Yeah. I believe in an all, I but I, I believe that there well, there are clues in our world, but nobody ever takes them. Like well, like if you, you watch said ancient that, aliens, you know, God is really just an alien that came down and he impregnated Mary with, you know, a. Uh, half alien, half human. And that's why we exist as we do now. So there you go. Probably why he came back to life. There's proof of UFOs and all these ancient artifacts of that. Well, I just, I do believe that, um, you know, just like your story, it, it's right. It's being, it's being put out there, but nobody believes it. But that's what, yeah, well, and that's, I mean, all joking aside. And, this both. Right. I believe them. Right. I, it, I don't need, it It doesn't have to be factual to the, every point. Right, exactly, yeah. For me to yeah. accept it. You and know? that's what, like, And like I me, said, they're just interpreting right, these exactly. events to tell the, to teach the story. Right. You know. And that's so. what, you know, I just... I think you can't believe in one and not the other, or how can you? And you can believe in how can you, you can believe in a little bit of it, or you can believe in all. Right, of it. exactly, right, and that's what you know. Like you can you can't judge somebody else for what they believe in because you believe in something else. Because how do you know that yours is one hundred percent factual, or how do you know that yours is more correct than right, somebody right. else's and stuff too? And so, you can't get hung up on you know. No. and like let's look at the fact like why are we alive how do we exist what are we here what is our real purpose on the earth and let's get real philosophical on that and what's the answer there's a a purpose for everybody but we just don't know it and and we're living this earth because of that purpose what's that until we fulfill our purpose that god wants us to fulfill then we will be stuck are we just are we there's a season for everything yeah, turn, turn, turn. Are we just cattle being raised by aliens for slaughter? Slaughter, yeah. How do you how do you come are up with or is this all a simulation? Are we just, is this all just a simulation? Right. Some other species, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or is this all? Is this real happening? Is this right happening? Or is this still meant to be a fact? Well, still somebody had to create that species, right? Image. There right. had to be a creator at some point. Right. So how do we know who the creator is? Yeah, there you go. I don't know how we get onto these topics. I know. We get on even in paranormal. <laughs> and just a follow-up on one of your stories, Jesse, the um, the guys who kidnapped those kids and put them in the bus and buried them. Yes, yeah. The last one got out of jail this week. Oh, oh. I didn't see that. So they're, all three of them are out of jail. 
and the people mm -hmm. that were on the bus who are now, you know, yeah, my age, I think. Right, right, yeah. They're not very happy about it. Well, then they're not, yeah, because those kids are not really that old. I mean, it, just, it happened in the 70s, right? Well, those kids I, yeah. are like my age now. They're yeah. 40. Yeah. yeah, they're in their 40s or 50s. 40s, 50s. Right. Yeah. 40s, yeah. And some of them are, you know, and yeah. some of them, the youngest ones, I thought, the youngest kids on that bus were like 40 something, I thought. She wrote it on the That's bus. not dad's age. I'm going to be the one to say it. I know. That's closer to like my age. But. Yeah. I know, but I mean, there was people our age and then there was people, yeah, I think, you I know, think people in their 40s. The people that they had on the news last night, they were interviewing. They were calling oh, my age, around my age. I, I think that's know. right, because they were like elementary school kids. Right. But they, it happened in the 70s, so that makes sense. You know, like, I think they were about right. your age. I think the oldest one that was on the bus was like 15 or 16 or whatever. He's the one that helped get them right. out. So, and then the rest of them were like third, fourth graders. They were like, that's right, right, they right. that guy because didn't that guy become a police officer or he did something, you know, in his life too? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember too or much. Did he turn the opposite way? Like, I can't remember now, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, I've been, that's something too, like with this. I mean, obviously, she like really didn't have any family or anything, but like, for somebody to murder somebody and then get out like five years later. Right. How, right. Like how traumatizing is that to the victim and their family? Well, I just can't understand how he only got a five-year sentence. How did he get out of I jail? Think there was no evidence that he did it. He right. just had to plead guilty. Like, and that's the thing is when yeah. you plead guilty, you, you usually take a plea deal, which is a right. shortened amount of time. Because yeah. they couldn't prove that he actually killed her. Like yeah, the, the only, only evidence they had was a ghost. Well, I bet if they went to DNA, they could probably find it now. This was he didn't leave any DNA though. Yeah, right. he never sexually assaulted her, so he didn't yeah. leave any yeah, DNA. Yeah, he stabbed her with the knife. Why isn't the knife got probably DNA? Probably more wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, they probably didn't say that. But the thing though, too, is that you know, like they really didn't have. They had the evidence of this like ghost story, basically, and the jewelry but you know like that's well, wasn't there like, dna you... on that wasn't but there any why... dna on that note that had his initials on i know she on. wrote it she wrote, she wrote it. it she wrote the note okay i got another question for you too and then we need to wrap this up um yeah but um because we're really are limited to an hour um okay. but i wonder has anybody done any um kind of story on where he's at today that's why I couldn't find, can't find him. I couldn't I mean, find him. No, did he? You know, just live a normal life after this, or did he just keep this crime going? That's a, I'll keep. She looking. said she researched. Yeah, I I googled his name. I tried to find some. I could only find like there's a lot of stories about this store, this case. There's a lot of stuff out there, but I couldn't find anything that in the, one of the Google question, like the provided questions, was like, where is um alan showery now and it it didn't pop up anything it'd be interesting not just in his case but in a lot of cases where these people yeah. get out of jail where, yeah and, where are they you know, now somebody yeah. should research so were they yeah. rehabilitated did they live a right. good life afterwards yeah and and maybe he left the country and maybe. then they could use that then, in other cases to prove would you be right. able to find him in new york or i mean how do you find him well, he probably know. changed his name i bet and that's what I'm assuming. He probably moved to New York and then he probably changed his name, you know, because, I mean, like Cassie said, your record will still follow you because you have your social security number. But still, mm -hmm. I mean, just to change his name to the Night Stalker. <laughs> yeah. Well, Richard Ramirez was in California, so oh, yeah. okay. wrong area. Uh, what's the one from New York that was back in the 80s? too? Um, God, that's a big deal. Uh. Um, the same the son, of Sam? son of Sam, yeah. Yeah. And how do we know New York though? And how do we know he's not a serial killer today killing well, that's, that's what we're talking about. That's what Anyways, we're talking about. We need to wrap this up. So All right. uh, I hate to cut everybody off, but um our time is up. Oh, I do want to add too, there are some books with this story. So there's some books out there. The hardcover book on Amazon though is fifty five dollars, so it's pretty expensive. But yeah. That's so, probably how he's making his living by yeah. these books. There's some books out there too. He if you're can't. Interested. If he's convicted, he can't. Yeah. That's
All right. Okay. Bye, guys. See you next week. Bye, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.